hello and welcome to episode six of Church Matters Podcast for SGC Marlton, New Jersey. I'm Jason Reyes, executive pastor here. And with me is our own senior pastor, Warren Betcher. It's great to have you. It is great to be here again. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Listen, before we get into some other things, you know, that relate with the church this past week, um, any comments that you might have just with all the controversy taking place in Major League Baseball with the cheating scandal of the Houston Astros, and it looks like as well, the, the Boston Red Sox and stuff. What do you think is an appropriate response that Major League Baseball should have, especially consider Pete Rose is out of the game for for life, really? Um, any thoughts? Uh, not a lot of thoughts on this one, okay. but um, I, I think it's it's one thing to steal signs from the dugout. Like that might actually be a skill, but when you're using technology to do it, yep. that's just cheating. Yep. I, I think the organization should be punished significantly. Mm-hmm. So that's where you're wondering, you know, NFL draft picks, suspensions, right, right. Um, you know, where it, boy, that was, they felt the bite of that. So I know with the saints, you know, Peyton got when his stuff, he got suspended for a year yep. and they lost draft picks. I believe yep. something that we won't, we don't want to do that again. Right. Although the Patriots sort of do it and don't care about whatever the hell. Really well, we're not even going to talk about it <laughs> yeah. because nothing really applies to them at all. Yeah, it's the Belichick yeah. rule. Right. Um, but did, did you hear about the, uh, yesterday there was actually a civil suit filed by a member of the Toronto Blue Jays okay. pitching staff suing the Houston Astros for stealing wow. signals. Wow. The pitching it, staff? Yeah, this pitcher. Okay. Because what it's done is it had a dramatic effect. This is his suit on the livelihood, future livelihood yeah. for, you know, for yeah. him as a pitcher. Yeah. And so he he suffered financially for that. And so now he's seeking re, uh, remuneration and stuff. And it's I'm like, wow. So this, this opened the door for all kinds of civil suits. Oh, yeah. You know, to take place. Well, if so. you start to, it affected wages and your earning abilities, yep. Yep. that would open a serious door. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> well, we'll keep you abreast of that. I'm sure the church is going to be on that coming up, uh, especially spring training is taking place in, in less than three weeks. It kicks off. So yeah. and, and well, maybe I, I can play this that actually somebody was taking signs when I was trying to hit or something. And that's why <laughs> yeah, I didn't that's make That's why it. you didn't there make it. There was somebody exactly. that was a conspiracy. Exactly. Well, they didn't have, I mean, back then in your day, it was the abacus. So they didn't have a computer back then. So I think we'll be all right. But we're getting into message six from what's love got to do with it and and this past sunday's was serving love so just want to give some follow-up from that first john 3 16 through 18 mm-hmm. uh, was the text that you preached from your main point was love must be practically applied to be love at all right all right and right. so moving away from mere sentimentality right okay and what is real agape love right. look like right? right and so we're called to imitate christ's love all right that was your second point uh, what were the three things that you said uh, with regards to how we were called to imitate Christ in terms of what he does for us? He laid down his life for us in a way that we don't do that for one another. So we can't do can't that. Can't imitate that. We can't imitate that. But I think as far as seeing, mm-hmm. so you have to see a need right. in order to meet a need. Right. So sometimes eyes are just closed. They can be closed because of your social settings. You're just not seeing needs around you. And then compassion for that need. So you're you're moved. You don't just observe what you're moved, but then it has to be followed by action. Because someone could see like, wow, they saw the need. So even in the parable of the Good Samaritan, they all saw the need. Right. But only one actually actually did anything about it. One was moved with compassion and then did something that cost him. And I think that's part of it. You embrace a cost, the other person gets the benefit. There's no recompense for that. Well, that's how Christ's love is. Yeah, it's just given. And certainly in the parable of the Good Samaritan, 
the injured person never pays back. Right. He just receives. Mm -hmm. And the other one impoverished himself somewhat. Again, it's a parable, but money spent, time spent, follow up. In very real ways, this is what God has done for us is is seeing our need and coming, you know, and sending his son to, to come to us. Just hitting the whole aspect of Christ's love first before our love towards one another, you know, and just being so key. You referenced community groups. I don't know if you remember this, okay, during the message. Unpack for us, if you will, how this context is structured to imitate Christ's love for one another. Well, I think it puts us in context where we start to see. And I think as you hear people's stories go out throughout their lives, you start to know them as ways that you can help mm-hmm. and serve. So there's the care, the love and action. It can be deeds of service, but there are spiritual deeds as well. I'm with someone who I see is struggling spiritually. Why are they struggling? What's behind that struggle? Maybe they're discouraged. Maybe they're struggling with unbelief. Is God for them? You're now coming in because you're exhorting. You're bringing the comforts of Scripture right. to bear on that. Or maybe someone who's starting to walk astray. You're bringing the warnings of Scripture to bear on that. So there's many ways, but it's all active. Mm-hmm. We have this structure that follows a biblical principle. They met in homes. Right. They met regularly. Right. And I think even for us in America, community life is not massive in America. Individual life is. Mm-hmm. Busyness separates us. Careers can separate us. The busyness of our children, how much we invest in our children's interests, dreams, and desires can stop us from relating in a community. You got other places in the world, community is the essence of life. So you're taking the strengths. There's a strength to God saves individuals, but where's that God saved a people and created a people? So we've created the structures to put people in relationship with one another so they can see one another and even there, grow as disciples. When you're helping someone else to grow as a disciple in Christ, you're seeing, you're having compassion, you're acting. Right. Versus it's their life, it's none of my business. In all the various ways that we're called to love right. one another. So what have been some of the examples that you've seen throughout the tenure? Because uh, small groups, community groups, mm-hmm. care groups, home fellowships, I mean, it's been known by a, a number of different yeah. names over yeah. the past 26 years. So what have some of the things that you've seen that God has done in those groups that really helps facilitate and solidifies our evidencing love for one another. And therefore, you know that you are my disciples, as it says in John 13. Well, there's probably both what leads to them loving one another and then what's that love look like? Sure. Yeah. What leads is time. It it is shared lives. So this is where sometimes even just a memory event builds a relationship. Relationships build trust. Mm-hmm. We have to build trust with people. Trust is built over time. That's good. So it's not instant formula, yeah, microwave, and there it is. I mean, some people might walk into a group and immediately open themselves up. Right. Most people are going to figure out, am I safe in this group? Do I trust the people in this group? Mm-hmm. So how do you build trust without time? Even sometimes people say, gee, we just had a party. We just hung out in the Super Bowl. What did that do? Well, actually, you build community. You get to know one another. You laugh together. I have a friend a friend I'm more inclined to share with. The ways you do that, you can serve together, spend time together, laugh together. There's all sorts of ways you build community. But then I think you got to make sure your community is not just that, because that can just be a social. Right. Oh, absolutely. There's other people you can do that with as well. Right. That's not necessarily biblical fellowship. There's at all. all sorts of clubs you can be part of. Yep organizations you can be part of and say, you know, we're sharing biking together. We're sharing, you know, a gym experience together. Right. That's not the same. It's a common experience and it's got limitations. Mm-hmm. We're sharing life together is wholly different. And then I think what the fruit of that can be, there can be very practical needs. Sometimes it's bearing up. And I've seen this happen in our church right now. People are holding one another's arms up in really right. hard situations right. that are can be crushing. If you go through a crushing situation alone, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. 
And yet now there's someone else who's carrying this with me. Right. So it's carrying one another burdens. Right. That's fulfilling Galatians 6, 1 and 2. You know, I am in one sense my brother's keeper. Right. And I care for them. So we're called to do that. And again, you can't fulfill Galatians 6, 1 and 2 without being together. That's good. Are community groups the only way for this to happen? No. Community groups are a structure we provide to to facilitate them. Right. But there's all sorts of other ways this happens, just through friendship, through common interests. So Mm -hmm. there is a place for common interests. There could be other Bible study contexts. There could be other contexts where men are getting with men or women getting together or some couples getting together. So there are other contexts. Uh, We shouldn't be limited. But I don't think we want to rely on artificial artificial or or no purposeful intentional. You hear the word organic used and thrown out and brandished about as if that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And yes, pun intended for those gluten free people among us that are listening. But the reality is, is that we never gravitate towards holiness ever. No. We always are, the disposition of man's heart is to drift away from God, not towards him. Having regularly scheduled times is meant to serve us, Mm -hmm. you know, and provide context. And knowing that a community group meeting that meets twice a month really doesn't capture the full essence of community life, but it's to be a starting point. A real dear friend of mine, um, he was a community group leader years ago, uh, stated, hey, I want to have community group without walls, you know, Mm -hmm. and really what he was saying was, I always want to be thinking community, you know, with my brothers and sisters. So regardless of what I'm doing, to involve them, right. but know that there's a starting point. So right. maybe it's a Wednesday night or a Thursday right. night or a Sunday, but that's a starting point. So some people would say, okay, well, isn't that a forced artificiality? How would you comment on that? They could make a case, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think I would take in the scripture and say they did meet homes. There's mm-hmm. exhortations all throughout the Bible. Right. So certainly in the New Testament to love one another, love's active. So I, I would go through the one another's. I'd look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Mm-hmm. And again, what was the inclination to stop meeting together? And there's a warning, do not forsake the right. assembly. Right. And then Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Well, how are you applying this verse into your life? While in one sense artificial, it rests on clear biblical principles. Mm-hmm. So th- that's probably what I would argue is, yeah, whatever, even what we call it the name of the night, there's no magic in the night you meet. Right. There's no magic in how we structure our community groups. Right. You could structure them differently. Correct. Um, so there's no magic in that. And there's pros and cons to all that. But that principle... That principle does function. Right. So I think it's the conviction that it does function and the conviction that I need it. Mm-hmm. And the awareness of why I, wouldn't, I would drift, but also I just want comfort. I right. want comfort and convenience. It's never convenient for me to go out at night. Right. Uh, it never feels comfortable. It always costs me. So I have to have a conviction that drives that. That's good. And those convictions drive. And that's why I think it's live according to your convictions and priorities postures you to a more faithful life. And it does seem as though the the pattern, as you're mentioning in New Testament church life, especially from the book of Acts, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and preaching. Talk about that, if you would, just in terms of being a component in community groups. Like as a pastor, what are you seeking to see take place is it regurgitating the message? Is it evaluating the message? Is it right. uh, yeah. is it digging deeper into that particular passage of scripture? What is it in terms of the essence of devoting yourself yeah. to the scriptures? Well, hopefully it's not a critique and evaluation. Well, there's always yeah. room for it, right? Yeah. Um, 
And I do that harder than anyone. So uh, I'm the one who walks out and thinks, what an, what an idiot today. That's uh, so true. So, um, nobody knows nobody the trouble knows, yeah. you feel on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, if we're digging deeper for better application, really those conversations should be about application, not knowledge. Well, what do you mean by that, though? If we're just regurgitating message points and did we get the message accurately and we're not moving past that, we certainly have to get it accurately. Correct. We can ask questions about did the text make sense to you, mm -hmm. but we must move to application. Mm -hmm. So that's what has to be emphasized. And then application in the circles of our life. So personal application relational application, missional application, right. faith application. So how's this function for me tomorrow? Big hearted love. Right. I can talk right. about that forever. We could sing about that forever. We can feel inspired, read poems, tear up. <laughs> um, so am I going to love my wife in a conflict? Right. right. Uh, and when don't I? Why don't I? Mm -hmm. So getting to those hard questions. Right. So we don't just fall into moralism, because that, that certainly uh, would be an enemy of the gospel. But what's going on in my heart right now? What am I fearing? What am I craving? What stands in my way? Where do I need to repent? Which now we can talk about humility. Oh, yeah. Well, humility is easy to talk about, hard to do. Yep. Here's where I was not humble in this conversation. That's where I've grown. Right. It's when people have asked me that kind of question. I have people and continue to have people that ask me those questions. It is interesting because you ask these questions. You ask, have you withdrawn from others in the church? And then have we kept to ourselves from knowing others? And both of those are really dealing with our own individual. This mm -hmm. is what's really taking place, okay, inside right. of my heart. And there is a personal application there. It's really interesting. I think we can answer those questions. For example, have we kept ourselves from knowing others? Oh, yeah, I've been hurt by others. And then that becomes the the rationale and the reason why you can go ahead and really, I call it the get out of jail free card. Right. So you know how longer have to obey this specific right. command because you've been hurt. And there's not the addressing. And this is where application I really think helps to come in is, is one, we teach a robust theology that God is sovereign over right. everything. Absolutely. And so because he's sovereign over everything, that means we're not victims. And because we're not victims, that means we're active participants. Right. And so, yes, I may be hurt, but underneath or really pull back the layer of that circumstance, you see there's a, a God behind this. Right. And not that he's capricious or that, that he's unloving or uncaring, is that God has a greater agenda to making us happy. Mm -hmm. His agenda is to make us holy. Yeah. Uh, and so talk, if you can, just about peeling back the God-centeredness. Mm -hmm. of things that take place in our lives and seeing him and how that transcribes into personal application. Maybe a precursor to that a little yeah, bit. Please. I think one of the challenges can be in the Christian faith is we do offer people platitudes. Yep. We take verses and we apply them quickly. So we take wonderful truth. Mm -hmm. So all things work together for oh, yeah. good. Yep. That doesn't mean all things are good, yep. right? Bad things happen. Yep, absolutely. But God works them together. Well, have we understood the bad things? So I think there is a point of empathy, mm -hmm. listening, and understanding. I mean, what sin does, it has caused a fallen world where people really do can do horrific things right. to other people, can be insensitive. So either something's happened to you, which was outside of the church maybe, but now when you come into the church and somebody is not empathized, 
empathize or listen to that. And now there's a hurt on top of a hurt. So I think we do want to listen well, empathize well, not like Job's friends. Absolutely. And not sort of take on truth and tackle on prematurely. However, getting to your point, we do want to come to that place of, I have listened and empathized. And I do. We weep with those that weep. But now we've got to move beyond and we've got to see there is a sovereign God in all of this. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love in First Peter is not only that first phrase of elect exiles, but also there's people that suffer for doing good. Mm-hmm. And that's a precious thing in the sight of the Lord. So I think, one, we have the sovereignty of God. We also have God's view of suffering and we still can bring God's view of justice to bear to those things. So I think leaving people, I always want to recognize people can be really be sinned against and really hurt by that no sin. Question. Absolutely. But leaving people, if they stay as victimization is their ultimate identity, I think that mute scripture, and I think that actually keeps them back mm-hmm. from the life and freedom God wants to bring. And we have to remember what the, who the Bible was speaking to. Right. People that really were sinned against, really were hurt, and whose situations were not going to change. So they didn't have recourse. So it wasn't like they could look to justice would come, even if it was delayed, it would come. There was no justice on this world, in this world. And yet those people were amazingly free. It's why they said about the early church, they die well. This was just not not just not natural deaths. This was unjust deaths in the Colosseum. They died well. And you would say, well, they were being horribly sinned against, but they did see a sovereign God who loved them and was for them. And they saw those things. I mean, that is the history of the church, the great history of the church. Right. You know, the blood of the martyrs. Right. Well, they were wickedly sinned against. And their blood does cry out for justice. And there will be justice. Right. But they were not really enslaved to those that could be so horrific. And obviously, you know, we we certainly don't want to be unsympathetic to those who've been grievously sinned against. I believe nine times out of 10 in the pastoral ministry that that we experience in in terms of meeting together with people who have experienced, hey, I've, I've drifted and I've really isolated myself. There is the lack of a Godward perspective that really does seem to drive a steadfastness that this does not apply to me. And and the reality is, listen, if we've been sinned against, how many other times have we sinned against right. others? I mean, right. that's just the truth. Our tendency is right to nurture hurt. Absolutely. So we, we want to nurture yeah. hurt when we probably should sometimes be repenting. Right. Be actively forgiving. Yep. Which and, we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks. And be moving forward. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think we have to be very careful. And there's schemes of the enemy that wants to elevate these things and eclipse God's activity in the midst of it. Because Romans 8.29, to me, is so dear. Apart from Romans 8.28. Right. It almost seems, uh, no, that's, that's not true. You know what I'm saying? But verse 29, conformity into the image and likeness of his son. You know, it's like that gives me direction. Yeah. It gives me feet. Yeah. You know, it gives me purpose. It gives yeah. me hope. These things aren't just happening to me in a vacuum. But no, there's a God here and this is what he's intending. Right. Sometimes I think we can maybe get sovereignty on the big stuff. Right. Maybe a health issue, like something that, <laughs> well, obviously that's so outside of control when God's sovereign. Right. But what about the... Littler stuff, conflict, disagreement, yep. disappointment. Teenage kids are not appreciated yeah. today. You know, my spouse, mm-hmm. somebody in the church, pastor, those things that feel a little bit more petty. God's no less sovereign over the small than over the big. We need to bring the same faith and perspective to 
God is sovereign over this thing. It's way too big for me to handle. He's just as sovereign over this little thing. And I think how we've got here is that one of the mandates and that we feel a, a real strong sense of urgency with regards to community groups is this whole aspect of application and growing together as disciples. And, and so this is this is a hallmark, you know, for us, you know, because we do want to be moving forward, you know, uh, in, in what the Lord has called us to in terms of holiness, but also in terms of understanding and appreciating the gospel more and more you know, in our lives, which it should set the trajectory for all things. Real quickly, we have a, a family meeting that's going to be coming up March 11th. We've been previewing it and promoing it the past couple of weeks. Why do we have them? We have taken to heart input from the church of better communication. So we want to do a better job of communicating with the church what is going on, what we're looking to be going on in the future. So updates, but also direction. And there's a place to envision people in a way that you're not always going to do that on a Sunday morning because you're envisioning them to specifics. Right. Sunday morning, we're, we're preaching God's word. Right. But we may not be always envisioning to certain things coming in the church. So it gives us an opportunity to really envision the folks for what we believe God's calling us to do. Why are we having them so frequently now? So we've had them back in October, December, and now we're having one March 11th we see the need to communicate better. I said a few weeks ago, doesn't mean I remember today. So even when you ask me points of the message, <laughs> I'm panicking in that moment. Uh, do I remember the message I preached uh, in, that, in that time? So we all need reminders. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a reminder, envisioning, but just to communicate and it also lets people know, it equips them to ask us questions. It also right. equips them how to pray. Right. Oh, absolutely. So That's they great. can begin to pray for initiatives Pray for us when we're considering an initiative. Mm -hmm. And then how do they interact with it? They may have perspectives that we could be blind to. So right. it does create a, a more mature body. I think. Right. I think a key aspect for us, too, is that we do not just value lip service, but we want this. It's, it's congregational participation. Yeah. So it's not just vision, but it's, right. you know, how do we all participate and work in this together as a local church? So that's going to take place Wednesday March 11th, again, really excited to have this meeting. We start at seven, dessert reception to preceding all the other things that we have planned for that. Before we conclude this episode, just want to again, I keep asking and want to continue to ask church, if you have questions you know, for us as a church and you'd like to see us discuss some of these on the podcast, we would love to go ahead and take those Absolutely. Um, from you. And so here's just some categories for you, just some things that we're praying about Things that we're actively discussing right now is community groups, how things are structured into the future as well. Pastoral oversight, pastoral interns, Sunday school, vital life, deacons and lay leader development. OK, and so just to give you some categories of things that we're actively doing and discussing and praying about and strategizing about. So if you have any questions about any of those categories, we'd love to hear them. We really would love to hear them. So again, you can go ahead and do that at our website, or you can do that on Sunday morning just by actually handwriting things out, which I cannot remember the last time I've actually handwritten anything. Uh, but anyways, can. that's, yeah, Warren can, so you're in good company with that. Well, listen, this concludes our time for uh, Church Matters, episode six. Thank you again, Warren. Uh, and again, if you're enjoying this podcast, please like us on the various platforms that you can listen to us on. And also spread the word to friends by texting them, calling out, sending them an email, or simply liking us again on all the various social media platforms. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And again, thank you, Kenny Smith, for all the work that you do editing and putting all this podcast together for us each and every week. So grateful for you, brother. Amen. Bye-bye. 